Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Next. Nothing personal word of the day. We didn't use that word a lot in baseball. Nick, that pitch just nicked him. Look, it nicked his jersey. It just touched it. Get the super slow-mo. You can see the jersey sort of touched a little bit. He got nicked. Yesterday, Jose Altuve of the Astros faced his first hit by pitch. But it was called, quote-unquote, a nick. Well, if you've ever been in front of 90 MPH, there's no such thing as being nicked. So I guess suspensions are coming. The pitcher, for sure, will be suspended probably for two to four years. There will likely be criminal charges. I would assume that the manager will be suspended for six to eight years. My guess is every player on both teams will get a warning and likely a fine of six to nine billion dollars. That is what the commissioner will do as he discovers and decides whether or not people are paying attention to his memo, which said, hey, don't throw at the Astros. Don't throw at anybody. Any intentional hit by pitch could result in severe punishment, like a billion-dollar fine or eight to ten-year suspension. I think you're going to see it. So what do we do now? How do we handle this? People are going crazy. It's leading off my show, our show, because... Jose Altuve got hit. Players get hit. That's how it goes. It's very difficult. Have you ever tried to actually throw a baseball? Now you're going to say you're not a professional. They are paid, pitchers are, to do something like throw a baseball at 95 miles an hour to an area the size of a square foot, basically, from 60 feet away. So that's not easy, but let's just assume that everybody can have Greg Maddox-like control. Let's assume that every single pitcher knows exactly where the ball is going to go. Well, I can only tell you that I saw hundreds of pitchers during my 18 years, and there were 50% of the guys we put on the mound, 50% of them had no idea where the ball was going when they were going to let it go. They made Charlie Sheen look like a control freak in the movie Major League. That's not because they're going after anyone or throwing at anyone. It's that they literally couldn't harness their stuff. We used to say, harness your stuff. Figure out whether or not you have pitchability. Just throwing 100 is not enough to be a major leaguer anymore. Do you have pitchability? I'm going to make a Nick Fatiu reference right now. Nick Fatiu, if anyone knows him, old hockey player. He would come on the ice simply to fight, come on the ice, get a fighting major. We had pitchers we'd put in, just hit the guy, get ejected, we'll pay your fine, move on. We would do that, absolutely, usually with rookies. But in the Astros case, everyone is paying such close attention that the umpires are in a no-win situation. For me, the umpires have to decide intent. They have to have a feel for the game, an understanding of the situation. There is no such thing as a breaking ball 
that is an intentional pitch used to hit someone to send a message. Now, will there be a double reserve, triple Lundy change of ways the pitchers do it, where now they're going to throw very sharp breaking balls as a way to get back at the Astros players? You know what? If you want to throw a sharp slider and hit Altuve in the bum, you know what? That's okay. Go ahead. But if you really are worried about controlling injury and making sure that no one loses an eye or a tooth, you're worried about the two. Seamer. That's the one. The two seamer right into the head area, the face area. Mike Fires knows what I'm talking about. That is one of the things that we're trying to avoid. So what the umpires are going to do all season long is they're going to try to decide, and there's going to be problems. Mark my words. It started yesterday. Jose Altuve got nicked. Yeah, he was fine. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. So, you want to talk to Samson? This is a good one, folks. So, every year, remember, 18 of them, 18 spring trainings. From the beginning, I was hanging on every win and loss, hanging on every hit, hanging on every quote, every at-bat, every pitch, every, every pitching line, everything. Then, as time goes on, you become more understanding of what spring training actually means. Someone tweeted at me, thank you, at David P. Samson, right in my DMs. I'll answer as many as I can. Someone said, hey... Can you discuss spring training box scores and what they actually mean? Do spring training stats matter was the question. So here's the insight that's going to drive everyone crazy, and I'm sorry, but it's true. Uh, no. Now, we do it because we want to bring attention to the game. It was newsworthy when Garrett Cole took the mound for the Yankees and pitched a scoreless inning and hit 98 miles an hour and struck out two and walked one, whatever he did. Guess what? As an inside Major League Baseball executive, as the president of a team, we don't care. Wait a minute. One of the players, New Marlins young players, got two hits in a game. His name is Jazz. People were losing their minds. Watch out for this guy. Top 100 prospect. He's the one to watch on fire. We know he's the one to watch because we know what we're looking at, and we're not looking at a performance in a spring training game in late February. It just doesn't matter to us. Wait a minute, Jake Arrieta gave up a three-run home run today. Release him, cut him, pay him his money. Pay that man his money. No, he's gonna be fine. We know Arietta is a number four starter. We know that because we know how to scout pitchers. Doesn't matter what he's paid, we know what his talent is. 
Does he become a number five or six starter because he gives up a three-run home run in the first inning of a spring training game in February? Are position players deciding their fate over the course of an at-bat or a game in spring training? No. Baseball is a long-term scouting vehicle. Forget the analytics. I'm talking about how how decisions how decisions are actually made. I love when I can prove to you all that I do this show live and that there's no editing at all. We go 45 minutes, we go straight, and if I say decisions, that's just going to make the show because that's what happens. So if you're asking me about all of the irrational exuberance, let me tell you how to watch spring training. Watch it to enjoy the games as a fan. Watch it to just hear the sound of the bat to get excited about the players on the team, to get excited about your team. Don't watch it trying to evaluate players. Because while there's a lot of eyewash out there, and you'll get team presidents and owners and GMs who take the mic and say, hey, this is a very important spring training. Hey, wins and losses matter. Hey, we're really looking to see who our fifth starter is going to be. Hey, you know what we used to do? We had a decision tree, like 20 things we had to decide over spring training. And we kept track every year of the number of decisions we actually ended up making. And it was always fewer than 5% of the decisions we thought we'd have to make. Why? Because decisions get made for you. There's an injury here or there. There's some sort of something that happens. There's a clubhouse incident. There's the fact that your manager comes to your office and says, I don't want this person on my team. Or your captain comes to you and says, this is a good apple. In the case of a tie, how about this guy? Or the front office says, hey, if this guy makes the team as our 25th man, we have to pay him a million dollars. If the other guy makes the team, it's only $500,000. We've only budgeted for two non-roster invites to make the team. Your choice, Mr. Manager and Mr. GM, but just know only two of them can make the million or million and a half. The rest have to be at the minimum. The point is all these decisions that you think that are getting made on an at-bat-by-at-bat basis or a game-by-game basis, they unfold like a story. We talked about Virgin River yesterday's show, a show that you should watch, and we talked about the character arc, the story arc. Every spring training has an arc. Every regular season has an arc. And a lot of what we do as executives is we let it unfold. And that's what's happening in spring training. I definitely appreciate this. So you want to talk to Samson? Do not get too despondent about box scores, win-loss records. Ignore it. Your team is starting 3-0. Relax. You're still going to lose a hundo. Your team is starting 0-3. Don't worry. Your team is still going to play in October. Yeah, you know what I mean. Big news today coming out of Dick Pound. He's getting a lot of flack over his name, Dick Pound. He used to be called Richard Pound. Richard Pound has changed his name to Dick Pound, although Richards and Dicks are generally the same. Richard, Dick Pound, IOC. International Olympic Committee, longest standing member, came out today. People are losing their minds about the coronavirus outbreak. Videos are being posted on Twitter that the rate of outbreak is greater than SARS, greater than anything other than the regular flu. By the way, the next time someone comes to you and says they're panicked about coronavirus, tell them to get online behind the actual flu. Coronavirus is more dangerous to old people, like in their 70s and 80s. So's the regular flu. So's walking on black ice. Much more dangerous to older people. It's okay to be worried about coronavirus. 
it's okay to think to yourself that, wow, this could be t become a pandemic. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, came out today and said, everyone beware. We are two criteria out of three from calling this a pandemic. If we see worldwide spread, this becomes a pandemic. So what are the Olympics supposed to do? The Olympics where people train every day for four years to participate in the Summer Olympics, taking place in Tokyo. The Summer Olympics, which have not been canceled since 1944. Yes, that was during World War II. That's the last time for any reason. I don't care if there are wars going on, Cold War, warm war, viruses, terrorism. The Olympics go on ever since World War II. Is it possible that they will cancel the Tokyo Olympics? Is there such a frenzy? I'm gonna say no, and here's why. It's not that what Dick Pound said is not true, because it is. You can't move the Olympics. There's such a production, you can't say, you know what, we don't wanna bring all the athletes to Tokyo, and by the way, it's not just the regular Olympics, it's the Paralympics also. We don't want to bring the Olympics to Tokyo, so we're going to bring them to Los Angeles. We're going to bring them to New York. We're going to bring them to Paris. No, the amount of preparation required to host an Olympics, we're talking about hotels, flights, accommodations. How about the amount of food that has to be sent in to be given to the athletes, to the fans? The facilities, getting those facilities ready, that doesn't take a week, a month. It takes years, years. The World Cup in Qatar, they were preparing for that and starting to build stadiums a decade ago. It takes time. Why Dick Pound came out today is very simple. Here are the criteria for canceling Olympics. It has to be where there is a danger, a clear and present danger, not just to the athletes, but to the volunteers and to the participants that being around each other in Tokyo will likely lead to an increased spread of a incurable virus, such virus that will be spread when everybody returns to their home country. Well, I don't know about you, but if you're canceling a cruise right now because you're scared of the coronavirus, then what were you doing booking a cruise? If you are canceling a flight to travel because you're scared of getting the coronavirus, then why don't you go full what about Bob and stay at home? And don't wear the masks that aren't even solidly tight. How many people have seen these? I love them. I love them. People put on the Hawkeye Pierce surgical mask from MASH. They cover it up. They go travel, and they think they're going to be just fine. Whenever I see people in masks, I sort of smile. I wink, and I stick my finger, if you're not watching this and listening to it, I put my finger in an upward trajectory as though I'm sticking it up their nose. But really what I'm doing is I'm showing the space in between their not-tight mask and their face that all of the air and the germs is getting under, and I'm wondering whether it's just continued eyewash. The networks have billions of dollars invested in the Olympics. The IOC, the athletes, the host country, this is not like Tokyo canceling the marathon, which they've done that's scheduled for March 1st. Everybody can't go except the 200 elite athletes. Canceling the Olympics because they can't postpone them. They can't change the situs of them. It has to be a straight cancellation. That will be a huge, epic decision. Epic. Wait to see. Okay. On a lighter note, hold on, I have to sneeze. Excuse me one sec. Okay. Everyone, 
Okay. I do not like when people touch my microphone. I really, and I can tell because I keep it in a certain position for every show. And sometimes when I sit down the next day, I can see that people have touched it. And I'm fairly confident that my nose is always stuffed because of some virus I have. Anyway, MLB did something. Love them. Okay, lawsuits. We've talked about it on this show. Explain to me why it is that our society allows for lawsuits that are so frivolous. We've talked about the fact that, in my opinion, our legal system should charge legal fees to someone who gets sued and wins. The person who does the suing should always have to pay legal fees when they lose. If a suit is deemed to be frivolous, it should be dropped on summary judgment immediately. That should be the sole bar. It makes me insane. The number of frivolous lawsuits that I've been a part of on the defense side. Now, listen, I've been a part of quite a few lawsuits that were not so frivolous. I grant you that. But one that's happening right now is just insane to me. People are suing Major League Baseball because they believe when they played these fantasy games, DraftKings, you know what DraftKings is? is it started off as like fantasy baseball where you can bet on fantasy, but it's becoming like a full gambling thing. You use DraftKings, you have an account. I think some guys here at CBS Sports HQ, some people play DraftKings. MLB actually has an ownership in DraftKings. Anyway, it's for money. So these people play DraftKings and they lose. What a surprise. Of course you're going to lose. And then they sue saying, hey, we didn't have a fair chance because the Astros were stealing signs. Therefore, the outcome of games was not full. The integrity of the game was lost. I want my money back. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's funny. It's funny. So MLB now, it didn't get dismissed. So the way lawsuits work is you have briefs sent back and forth. A brief is a statement. It's a written statement where you summarize the facts, you talk about the law, and then you give an argument. So MLB submitted arguments, and I want to call them out because it's too good to be true. It's so perfect. MLB, quote, in their, in their papers submitted to the U.S. District Judge, said, quote, rules violations, large and small, intentional and unintentional, technical and game-changing, are a never-ending source of sports television, talk radio, web, and elevator commentary by sports pundits and fans alike. And fans' general awareness of the potential for infractions is underscored in this case by the fact that clubs were disciplined for electronic sign stealing in 2017. Let me put that in English for everyone out there. What it means is, hey, you're surprised there's cheating in baseball? That's what the draft should have just said. It's a very simple one-liner. The simple one-liner, but it's not very legal. I wish the legal documents were much more simple. It would have made law school easier for me, I can tell you that. The one-liner would have been this. Hey, listen, Chachi. The fact of the matter is, everybody cheats. Just not everybody gets caught. And you know that. You know that people have taken steroids. We've showed you they're changing hat sizes. You know that people were stealing signs. We basically punished the Red Sox and the Yankees in 17. You were on notice. Don't bet on a game that you know is full of cheaters if you're worried that cheating is going to cost you the right at winning money. They went on to say, 
it appears uncontested that players often commit intentional rule infractions in order to obtain an advantage over the course of the game. This is MLB. It appears uncontested that players often commit intentional rule infractions in order to obtain an advantage over the course of the game. If there's one thing I've learned in baseball, all of the people talking the way they're talking, all of the people, the players going crazy about the Astros, the fans going crazy and booing the Astros players, to me, it's funny. Because if you were a fan of that team, you dismiss it. You say, hey, we were still good enough to win. We're good. We're fine. Oh my God, I lost money. I'm filing a lawsuit. You're going to lose. It's a guarantee. Okay. Best part for me of uh, nothing personal. Every day, every night, I'm watching a movie, some sort of TV series. This one is a good one. It's called Super Size Me 2. Holy chicken. If you haven't seen Super Size Me 1, this is not the sequel. Go see Super Size Me 1. This guy, Morgan Spurlock eats McDonald's three meals a day, every day, for 30 days. And it's a movie about what happens to him. Here's a spoiler alert. He gets fat and unhealthy. But that's not what this one's about. Super Size Me 2 is about chicken, as in chicken, as in fried chicken, grilled chicken, fast food chicken, all the chicken that we eat that we think is healthy because it's green or organic or comes from a food truck or says farm to table or organic or not full of hormones or cage free, blah, blah, blah. Morgan Spurlock teaches you exactly what farm to table means. And I assure you that chickens do not walk out of the farm, dally over to a restaurant and end up on your table. There are quite a few things that happen in between farm to table that aren't really thought about. Because if you did think about them, I've got one word for you. And it may be the word of the day tomorrow. It's called vegan. Check it out. Supersize me too. Holy chicken. It's incredible. Now, that doesn't take away from the fact, sorry, I did the turn. I didn't do the turn. Sorry, Coca. I'm doing a quick other thing on this. Morgan Spurlock, this movie was filmed two years ago. It was withheld. It lost distribution because he was accused and admitted to sexual harassment, to sexual assault. He had what he thought was a consensual affair. It turned out that it was not consensual. He had some complaints in his production company. So all of the people who were going to distribute his movie pulled back. Now they have come forward and they're releasing it. So this was filmed several years ago. Read Morgan Spurlock's statement about his sexual proclivities about his sexual assault, about what he did. It's a very interesting sort of person. It's the anti-Harvey Weinstein, right? It's the anti-I-didn't-do-anything, and if I did do something, you deserved it because you thought I was hot. It was not that at all. So read about Morgan. Go in with your eyes open, but this movie should be watched from the standpoint of food and from the standpoint of marketing. You will not believe it. Get to me at David P. Sampson. Tell me what you think about the marketing of fast food. Chicken. Holy chicken. Hey, Joe Burrow's hand is nine inches. Who gives a shit? My God. If I read one more thing about Joe Burrow's nine inches, explain it to me.
Yes, you're right. He can't be a good quarterback. He can't. He's only got nine inches. I spent the entire night last night figuring out how many inches I had, and that's with the TV and the computer off. I expanded my hand. I can't. I think maybe I have three. And this is not because I'm Jewish. It's because I'm 5'5", five, five, I think. I don't know what the reason is. Either way, I'm looking at four inches, six maybe. Maybe on a good day I can get to eight, but it requires some sort of help. In any case, Joe Burrow, I wouldn't draft him. Who the hell would draft the guy? It's ridiculous. I've had it. All right. You know what else is amazing to me? I'm going to spend some time on this. There's a guy, a bunch of people in the media. I understand that we're all trying to get voices. Hey, Coke, are you alive in there? Are you unconscious? Do you need mouth-to-mouth? <laughs> he just whispered in my left ear, not from me. Coca, I would save your life, my friend, as long as I had a mask on. So there's people trying to have their voice heard. That's what our show is, nothing personal. We want you to listen. We think that we are a niche that is not out there. We actually think that we're giving you perspective on stories that you're not getting anywhere else because I've got experience in the real world where I can tell you how things are, how they're not, what people are saying, what they're not saying. But there are people out there who are just trying to make a name for themselves, trying to get attention. And so they had a take, and they're called takes. Hot takes are when you say something about a subject that's very relevant and you say something a little outside of the norm, a little outside the grain. That's called a hot take. I just have a take-take, which is that people's takes about Dave Ayers are a little much for me to deal with. Who is Dave Ayers? Let me tell you a story. In hockey, you have a goaltender, you have a backup goaltender, you have a backup to the backup, and then you've got, oh my God, what are we going to do? The Carolina Hurricanes had a situation where all their goaltenders, this happened a couple days ago, that's a hockey team, by the way, in Carolina. That's a state where, actually, it's not a state. Are the Carolina Hurricanes in North Carolina or South Carolina? North Carolina Hurricanes. I wonder why they call them just the Carolina Hurricanes. Strange. Anyway, the North Carolina Hurricanes had a situation where their top two goalies got hurt, and they needed someone to play goalie, so they called a guy who was there to be the actual backup to the backup to the backup. And he, on his spare time during a game when he's not actually taking the ice and pads, drives the Zamboni. Who do you think drives the Zamboni? Do you think the owner of a team wants to pay another guy to be a Zamboni driver who doesn't have another role? It's like being in the company when you're on Broadway. You play like five roles in the musical or in the play. That's what being in the company is. Dave Ayers, 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 A-Y-R-E-S, first name Dave. He's a viral sensation. He put on pads. He was called in to be a goalie. He inherited a 3-1 lead and won a game 6-3. I thought it was outstanding. I really did. Yet there are people saying it is amateur hour. It's a joke that the National Hockey League had a person who was playing in a regulation game who was not a regulation player. I think it's time that you kept calm and carried on. 
I think it's time that you chillax and realize that these things happen not too very often, and the world will not stop spinning on its axis because Dave Ayers made a good story. And the North Carolina Hurricanes did something great with it. They let it, they took something viral, and they expanded it. He went on the talk show circuit. He was a guest everywhere. They started selling T-shirts. What's wrong with a little capitalism? on the backs of a viral moment that you can't plan. You think they plan for their goaltenders to get hurt? Do you think that he came to the rink that day saying, today's the day? Bye-bye, Miss American Pie? No, he came to drive the Zamboni. Next thing you know, he's in goal of a professional hockey team. Who doesn't have that dream? When I was president of the Marlins, I got an email from someone, and it was uh, someone who wanted Adam Greenberg to get another at-bat. Adam Greenberg is a guy who is a, uh, Adam Greenberg played for the Cubs. Adam Greenberg got hit in the head by a pitch, not on purpose. Remember in the beginning of this show, I talked about the fact that pitchers have no idea where it's going. One of those pitchers was a guy named Valerio De Los Santos. Coca, check my facts. I'm almost positive that's the Marlins pitcher who hit Adam Greenberg in his only at-bat, his first major league at-bat, the first at-bat of his career. This was a Cubs prospect. Doink, right on the head. Down he goes. I was right there at the game. I watched it happen. I thought he was dead. So Adam Greenberg, I had an immediate knowledge of him because he was one of the few Jewish players. So I always would keep track of all the Jewish players in baseball. Because, of course, I wanted to prove that Joe Burrow can be in the National Football League. So Adam Greenberg goes down. He's out. Career over. Literally, he did not get. He was Moonlight Graham. No official at bat. Hit by pitch. Done. Years later. Years later. Five years later. Six years later. Something comes to my desk. Hey, we need Adam Greenberg. We want to try to get him another at bat in the major leagues. I said, I am in. I went to our owner. I said, this is a gimmick. This has been a very tough season. This was 2012. This was the year of Ozzie Guillen, the year of Fidel Castro, the year of Showtime's The Franchise, Showtime owned by Viacom CBS. This was the year of all the signings, of all the problems, all the excuses, the new ballpark that was not selling. It was my worst year. But I said, there's got to be something here we can do. You know what? Let's sign Adam Greenberg. So I went to the baseball people, and they were upset. You are making a mockery of the game. He does not deserve a spot on the roster. And I said, you know what? It's ridiculous. We'll call him up in September. We'll add him to the roster. We'll pay him one day. We'll give him one at-bat. One at-bat. What is the end of the world? If it's a playoff game that we are playing, to get, playing for, if there's a chance we're going to be in the playoffs, then you know what? We may not do it. But if we don't make the playoffs because of one at-bat by one guy, Come on. So I got called by Matt Lauer. At the time, he was working for a station called NBC. And live on the show, their morning show called The Today Show, I spoke to Adam Greenberg and said, hey, would you like one at-bat? Would you like to be signed? People were so upset about it, as though I had done something to hurt the sanctity of Major League Baseball allowing someone who's not qualified, because listen, Adam Greenberg was not major league quality. There was no way Adam Greenberg could stand in there and have a productive major league at bat. There's no way he would have been one of the top 40 players for any team in major league baseball. Even though he was training and working out and trying, he was older and not good enough. Time had passed him by. 
and it was sad for him. But from my standpoint, why not a good story? Why not give someone, let a dream come true? And that was a forced dream coming true. That wasn't because we needed someone to take the at-bat. But what was the big deal? He came to the team. He dressed in the clubhouse. He warmed up. We sold a few extra tickets. We got a few extra media views. He took the batter's box against R.A. Dickey, the year R.A. Dickey won the Cy Young, I believe, pitching for the Mets. He was a knuckleballer. Have you ever tried to hit a knuckleball? Here's what I want you to do. Next time you get hammered and you can't see straight and you look out and you see sort of three different things in front of you and they're all blurry, I want you to see, now do it with a wiffle bat and a wiffle ball because I don't want you to get hurt. I want you to see if you can hit the ball when someone throws it to you underhand. My advice is always aim for the middle ball. That's not from practical experience. I've heard that rumor. But that's what hitting a knuckleball is like. There is no way you can hit it. And if you do it, simply because you're lucky. Adam Greenberg knew he was facing R.A. Dickey. We said to him, please, you can do it. Just don't strike out looking. So what he did was swung, strike one, swung, strike two, both knuckleballs. I'm looking at R.A. Dickey from the front row. I'm yelling, throw him a heater. One time, do something good. Throw him a heater. Knuckleball. Three straight, that was it. He didn't take the field. He had one at-bat, and it was great. He signed a bunch of bats and balls. He took pictures with fans. It was nice. He had his moment. Dave Ayers of the North Carolina Hurricanes had a moment. Why is it in this world we're afraid to let people have their moments? That's my moral. Give people a moment. Deontay Wilder, Deontay Wilder, Deontay Wilder. This is it. Get ready. I have an announcement coming up at the bottom of the uh, minute. Ready? Two, one, zero. I'm coming to you live today from the Hall of Fame of Excuses, where today we will induct our new member. His name is Deontay Wilder. He had an excuse why he lost a heavyweight WBC title clinching fight that goes into our Hall of Fame. We are bypassing the selection nomination process, and he is coming right in. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Congratulations, Deontay. Is there anything you have to say to your huge dozens of fans who bet on you and your fight? What went wrong? Well, I can only tell you, I really appreciate this honor of being in the Hall of Fame for excuses. But this was not an excuse. I wore a 45-pound costume into the ring, and my legs were tired. I wore a mask that cut off my circulation. I couldn't breathe. It was such a long walk from the tunnel to the ring. I was out of breath. My legs were tired. I knew immediately I was going to lose. It was done. That's not an excuse. That is practical. Thank you. Any follow-up questions? Um, yes, Deontay Wilder, we do have one question. Um, is it true or not true that when Fury punched you in the face in a way that would send a mere mortal into a coma, that that may have had something to do with your losing the fight by TKO when your trainer threw the white towel into the ring, which is the sign of surrender or no mas, whichever comes first. No, 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 Deontay says. 
No, no, you misunderstand. My trainer misunderstood. It was the costume. My legs were so tired, I couldn't get out of the way of that punch. You're going to see because we're going to have Tyson Fury against Wilder. We're doing part three because in my contract, I had a right for an immediate rematch of the rematch of the rematch for the rematch. And I'm going to have a rematch. And I'm walking naked into the ring this time. I'm not taking any chances. No shorts, no gloves, no nothing. I'm going full Joe Burrow. God, that's not going to get old. I'm going to use Joe Burrow for the next week on nothing personal. <laughs> Deontay Wilder. Do you know who he's next to? He's got a bust right in the Hall of Fame. Do you know who he's right next to? He's right next to Heath Bell. Heath Bell's a former pitcher for the Marlins. Whenever he'd give up runs, he'd come off the field and he'd always say the same thing. So he only gets one bust in the Excuse Hall of Fame. But it was always this. Man, the training staff for the Marlins, they're not good enough. That's what he would say. Our training staff, we don't have the right facilities. That's why I threw the ball 88 down the middle and blew the save. Because I wasn't properly ready. I couldn't get people to rub my arm in the way I like my arm rubbed. Where's Joe Burrow when you need him? We need an arm rub. Heath Bell, you're in the Hall of Fame excuse. You know who else is? This is pretty good. <laughs> Let me ask you this. In basketball, have you ever heard of people using the floor as an excuse? You know when players come in, I actually should ask Ruben about this. Is Ruben here? He's not here. Ruben is the sneaker kicks guy. Remember to follow him on Twitter. It's at something something. At uh, Ruben Talks Kicks. And it's Ruben, not like the sandwich, I don't think. Is it just R-U or is it R-E-U? It's just R-U, so it's not like the sandwich. You know what a Reuben sandwich is, right, Coca? It's R-U-B-E-N talks kicks. Well, in the old days, when people were wearing different types of sneakers and shoes, they would lick their fingers, and they would put their fingers and rub it on the bottom of their shoes in order to try to take the slip away, some of the slip. And there'd be mats when players would check in that they would rub their shoes on as though they were trying to de-electrify their shoes. And so there were a lot of players who were doing this, it's not so big anymore. So I once was involved in talking to a, uh, uh, a GM in basketball. And there was a player. And the reason I'm not mentioning his name is that I was told this story completely off the record. Look, Ruben Talks Kicks is on YouTube. Follow him on Twitter. Let me see. Did you get it right? R-U-B-E-N-T-A-L-K-S-K-I-C-K-S. Yes. He always is front row at Heat Games, by the way. Did you buy the Marlins tickets that we sold to Jeter? Is he always sitting like courtside, half court, best seats in the house? Anyway, so the excuse this player gave is that his foot, he didn't have the right traction, so he couldn't get the right legs under him for a shot, and that's why his shot wasn't good. I've had players come up to me specifically to say, oh, I had a bad game because I wasn't happy with the pregame meal. My stomach hurt. My head hurt. I've heard them all. My arm hurts. And the fact of the matter is there really is no reason for an excuse. Just play. All right. Deontay Wilder, welcome to the Hall of Fame. So Coca right now is typing to me. He wants me to see Giants GM is we're open for business on making a trade at number four in the draft. Is that Gettleman you're talking about? That they're open for business 
Is that newsworthy to you? Do we need to tell our listeners and watchers that the Giants are open for business? So let me just tell you, all these pundits right now are at the Combine. It, the Combine, which, by the way, is a total made-for-TV event. It doesn't matter that two is not throwing and Burrow's not throwing. No one cares. Do you think that all the scouts and all the teams are saying, hey, if, you don't, if your hand doesn't measure right and you're not good enough at the Combine, we're not going to draft you? Of course not. Eyewash. Total eyewash. Just like the Giants GM saying, we're open for business. This is a great quote. Thank you, Coca. The Giants GM said, whatever we do is going to be in our best interest. <laughs> I would like to see one GM one time give a quote one time to say, I am telling you now, ladies and gentlemen, I am making a trade that is not in the best interest of my club. I am making a trade that will purposely make us a worse team or make us have less money. I am making a trade simply because I'm helping my friend who works for another team. It's preposterous. It's asinine. I don't know why we allow quotes like this. We want executives to tell the truth. Just say, hey, I will make a trade away from number four if I can take advantage of another team who's desperate to trade up because they think the one player they need who's going to help them finally win is going to get taken above whatever slot they have. Just say it. Say in an even trade, I don't really feel like I would trade down. But if it's not even, of course I'm going to trade down. Of course. And to, is it news? Coke, it's not news when a GM says we're open for business. That is not newsworthy. Everybody's open for business. Okay, pick of the day. Uh, pick of the day. What happened last night? I, I don't understand. How is it that the Utah Jazz lost by almost two score? Almost two score to the Phoenix Suns at home. It was just a bad pick. It was a blowout. Big game tonight that you should all be watching. The Milwaukee Bucks have already clinched a playoff spot. The earliest in the history of basketball for a team to clinch a playoff spot. What do you do when you're coaching a team that has title aspirations that now is looking at potentially 20 games, 30 games? It's really 20. I think they're 45. They're 48 and 9 right now, or 49, 49 and 8, right, is 57. They have 25 games left. 25 games for them to stay sharp. 25 games until they know they've got to go ahead and win another 16 to get their first title since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the 70s. The job of that coach is to keep them sharp. Tonight is a huge game. They are playing Toronto. The Raptors are the number two seed, I believe, in the East. The Raptors are a really good team. The Raptors are getting a point at home. This is one of those games where the Bucks will have a letdown. I like the Raptors straight up beating the Bucks tonight. This is a game for the Raptors that shows them that they are not playing for naught. You win and beat the Bucks like this, that's, it's like winning your own title. And when you're a playoff team that beats the Bucks, what that says is come the conference finals, I believe we can hold our own in a seven-game series. I personally don't think anybody can beat the Bucks four out of seven times, but not relevant. For tonight, take the Raptors and let's get our 16th win against 18 losses. Okay, wait to see. My wait to see is a, an interesting one because uh, this time of year in baseball is when lists come out. Tons of lists come out about players, all the players who are unsigned. And what are they doing? So many players retire without actually retiring. 
every year. You just stop hearing from them. What, the way to retire in Major League Baseball, just so you know how it works, you actually have to go on a retired list. You actually file papers that say you are retired. There are many players who never file those papers, and they're actually still under the umbrella of the previous organization for which they served as a baseball player. Which is why when you see players come and say they signed a one-day contract, we signed Jeff Conine to a one-day contract, and then he retired a Marlin. You see that often when someone who's associated with the franchise, the way Jeff Conine is associated with the Marlins, despite all evidence to the contrary at the moment coming out of Jupiter right now, and you come and you retire as that part of that team. Many players don't bother to do that because they just go away. They end up getting other jobs. They go to school. They become dentists, doctors, construction workers. They just become different things, but their careers are over. The majority of them don't have the money to retire. Some do. Hanley Ramirez is an example. If he did his money right, which I hope he did, Hanley, last time we were in touch, he was doing well. He was getting in shape. He wanted, him, he wanted to come back and play this year. He's unsigned. Andrew Kashner, a pitcher, unsigned. Fernando Rodney, one of our pitchers, unsigned. And Jacoby Ellsbury, unsigned. Four guys, three of whom I have great privity to, spend time with. They're not going to sign. What we used to do is keep a list of every free agent player. And we would take that list, and as spring training went on, we would go through who we would plug in were there to be an injury or lack of performance or something that we thought needed to be different. Who was at the top of our list? And then we would go down as those players would sign with other teams. We'd cross them off the list. When we had to go get someone, we'd go to the top of the list and say, oh, all right, we need someone. Come on, Hanley Ramirez, you're up next. Except Hanley won't be up next for any team. Wait to see. Ramirez, Kashner, Rodney, Ellsbury will not sign. That's four. What about these four? Puig, Jason Vargas, Lucas Duda, and Russell Martin. I think those are the types of players who will find a home at some point during this spring or early in the season. Puig, I think, will sign a deal as soon as he gets his act together and realizes he's not worth nearly what he thought he was as a free agent. Jason Vargas, I had him. He's a perfect number seven starter, number eight starter, and every Major League Baseball team will go through 10 or 11 or 12 starters. Vargas is a guy, stays sharp. You bring him in as AAA depth. Lucas Duda, sort of a bat off the bench, hit some high school pitching, Work out, you'll be okay. Russell Martin, great guy in the clubhouse. Russell Martin, great veteran to actually add at the end of the day. I've given you four players who I believe will sign. Puig, Vargas, Duda, Martin. Four players who will not sign. Kashner, Rodney, Ellsbury, and Hanley. And I will tell you, wait to see. Six out of eight of those I'll get right. And Hanley, every time you call me and you say, hey, David, am I going to play again? I always look at you and I say, Hanley, you're not. Because it's business. It's nothing personal, H2R. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.